Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. We are uh, look days away, less uh, just a little over a week away from the start of the NBA season, and it's time to talk about, well, not only preview that season and what we're expecting, but also, hey, what are some, if you're one of the people out there, the many, many people out there who like to put a little wager on games, where's some smart preseason money? Where can you make some money long-term? I wanted to bring in Drew Dinsick, who works with us at NBC Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Whale Capper and like, I don't know, like 18 other social media places, right? Drew, <laughs> like everywhere. Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been a fun uh, ride, and getting to talk NBA it sneaks up on you every year. But yeah. uh, here we are uh, on the eve of the season, and there are more interesting storylines than years past that I can remember. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a. Uh, it feels like this is as good as it gets. Uh, yeah. you know, in terms of the NBA being the the key focus uh, in the world of sports, you have a perfect transition right now between. Uh, a class of superstars who are at the very tail end of their careers, the LeBrons, the, the, uh, the, the Kevin Durants uh, of the world, uh, the, the Currys uh, yes. of the world, who are kind of still hanging on at or around their peak. Uh, and then you have the new wave who have come in. Uh, and then on top of that, now we get to mix in the uncertainty of uh, some truly dynamic rookies. Uh, and so this is, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I, my expectations for entertainment factor for the season are sky high. Uh, and, uh, I think breaking it down from the lens of, you know, what can we expect, you know, how do we want to attack this from a betting perspective? Those are the key questions I'm asking myself right now. So, uh, excited to kind of talk through this and get some of your perspective as well. Uh, looking forward to it. And obviously you can tell Drew, I love having Drew on cause he just knows the game. This isn't like, yes, he's. Yes, he's trying to make some money. We'd all like to make some money. But, like, he just knows and loves the game, and it's it's it always leads to a fun conversation. Um, in fact, we'll start with some of that uncertainty because I spent most of my last yesterday and this morning and, and frankly, a little time before that trying to write out my uh, Philadelphia 76ers season preview. And I literally put this off as long as I could because I was hoping there would be some sort of resolution, some sort of direction. And it's just a weird situation because Tyrese Maxey's looked great in the preseason. He looks like a guy ready to take a step forward. And I think he looks better in Nick Nurse's offense with more motion. He's got the ball in his hands. Uh, The back spasms he had the other night didn't seem to be too serious. Like there's just, there's so much to like. And yet there's this large, hardened shaped cloud hanging over this team this year that in an East with two teams in an arms race, it's like, I don't, I don't think I want to go near them. Yeah. uh, Sixers are kind of the perfect place to start because of that question. Um, And I think you framed it well. Uh, The youth movement that, you know, the, the, the talent that they've put around Embiid here looks really, really good on paper. Um, Tobias Harris still has something left in the tank. Kelly Oubre Jr. is kind of a nice mutable piece. Maxi definitely looks like he's ready to take a, a step forward. Uh, Melton, even as a shooting guard, looks like he's got a relatively high ceiling, at least from a, a fantasy production standpoint this year. I've heard a lot of people make a strong case for him for, you know, six man of the year potential. Um, and, uh, you know, you have the reigning MVP in Joel Embiid, who's kind of the key focus in the anchor and the, you know, the, the, um, 
the hardened shaped cloud is a good way to put it. Um, my assumption is he's not going to play for the Sixers this year. I don't think they're and expecting him to, you know, kind of come in and force his way out the way he did in Houston. I think they're just going to let him, you know, basically voluntarily sit out until they can find a, a deal that suits them. Um, but it's it was interesting the way that the offseason played out and all, you know, you can agree or disagree here, but um, the power always was in the hands of the player forever for as long as I can remember. Hey, uh, you know, going back to the, you know, the, the, the construction of the big three in Miami, you know, like that, that was conceived of the players, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, Genesis and, uh, executed behind closed doors by the players. And this summer it was pretty clear that Dame Lillard wanted to go to play for the Miami heat. And that did not happen. <laughs> and that was uh, a little bit of a power shift in terms of uh, who's making calls. And when you look at the haul, ultimately, that the Blazers got, now it's not going to help the Blazers win games this year. Um, but boy, oh boy, did they, it feels like they got about $1.20, $1.25 for Dame yeah. Lillard. And this is the first time in my life I can remember a team training, you know, trading a superstar and getting a dollar for a dollar or more back. Um, and so I think this gives uh, Maury a little bit of, uh, you know, just an incentive. Like, hey, if you wait for it, the deal will come. Like, there's going to be some desperate team out there that's looking at Harden not getting used and decides, you know, hey, we're going to make a better offer than whatever the Clippers were offering. And, uh, you know, if Harden doesn't want to go and play there, then so be it. But, uh, you know, if you, if you can negotiate with him behind doors, you know, closed doors to get paid. I think that's ultimately what he wants uh, more right. than chasing a championship. So uh, I think somebody's going to, you know, going to come to the table and give them a fair offer there. And then that could be something that helps them continue to build in the future or helps them win this year. And, you know, without knowing what the answer is there, my guess is going to be more like future pieces than anything that it's going to help them build this year. And so you kind of have to look at their preseason roster, including Embiid and, and maybe some PJ Tucker uh, and assume yeah. that that's what you got uh, with Philly this year. And, you know, I think on paper, that's, uh, that's pretty clearly the third best team in the East. Uh, well, well, actually, actually I, will, I will counter that. I think it could be Cleveland. I'm just higher mm. on Cleveland than others. I think adding Max Struess, I mean, this was a 51-win team a year ago. They add Max Struess, but I think the real question there, and, and this is one of those you can't really prove it till the postseason type of situations, did they learn lessons? Did they about, you know, I guess it's A, how much do you believe in Donovan Mitchell? And then B, did they learn lessons about taking their opponent, the, the focus and the attention to detail and the intensity that comes with playoff basketball because the Knicks brought that and the Cavaliers didn't. Are they just not capable of that, or did they learn a lesson? I, I'm leaning into learned a lesson, but, uh, I, you know. I think you can actually kind of divorce the question uh, because, you know, in large part right now we're, we're looking at is regular season success. Yeah. And they proved that they can answer that you yeah. know, to the good, uh, even, you know, in the first year with Donovan Mitchell in-house. and. Um, you know they uh, they were they had one of the quieter off seasons. Not a lot of moving parts, but considering how much you're asking from your young players, that's probably good. Um, maybe you have to get a fully healthy season from Darius Garland, and uh, and you know Mobley continues to develop as a superstar talent. Then we could be talking about uh, you know a, 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 a decent head to head there for 
who even wins the, uh, the that division, in my opinion. Um, the central division is right now priced like the Bucks have already won. And if there's anything that you know, the I took away from the Dame Lillard trade. It was like, wow, this this Bucks team clearly raised their potential to win a title this year, because this is now, uh, you know, a little bit more of a a complete uh, half court offense in you know in a six seven you know game six game seven uh, you know some of the stagnation that we've seen with the Bucks in years past is is potentially answered by having Lillard on the floor as a creator. That doesn't really help them in the regular season, though, because they have completely cleaned out the depth in this team. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming that there are maybe still moves to be made to help yeah. fortify some of the deeper parts of this roster. Um, but we're looking at right now, like, there's <laughs> there going to be a lot of minutes from a lot of guys who don't necessarily belong on, you know, an Eastern Conference champion contender uh, who are going to have to backfill here until things get kind of worked out in terms of depth here. So, do the Bucks start slow? Do they leave the door open for the Cleveland Cavaliers to steal the Central? I think that's a very, very fair question to ask as we sit here on the eve of the season. And uh, and the price would lean me in the direction of taking a shot on the Cavs. If they do put it together, if everybody takes a step forward together, if Bickerstaff is you know the, the coach we know he can be in the regular season, can the Cavs win 55 games? Sure, absolutely. That's They don't not even need to win 55 in order to win the Central if uh, – uh, you know, the Bucks are, are losing games because they need to give Giannis some time off or Middleton's not really ready to go uh, at full speed out of the gate or, you know, the, the turns out some of the pieces they thought could contribute really aren't good enough to be on the floor for 20 minutes a game. So, you know, there could be some growing pains, certainly for the Bucks that could leave the door open for the Cavs. So I, I like that take by you. And plus 270 is a pretty darn good price to, uh, uh, you know, to at least be in the head to head with the Bucks throughout the, you know, the balance of the season. I will say I did see the Bucks in person. Um, by the way, you're discounting the great sixth man of the year campaign from Grayson Allen. Oh, um, that's good <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did see the Bucks in person. Uh, I was at the game that uh, Lillard and Giannis played, and yeah, Lillard said afterwards, it just makes the game so simple. The amount of spacing Giannis gets when Lillard is one pass away is just, I think. Even again, it's preseason, but you can see he's like, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to having this much room to move, let alone Lillard kind of getting the same because it's like, it was weird. It's a preseason game. They're like, they blitzed me. They, you know, they blitzed me on the first play with two guys. And I'm like, it's the preseason, but okay. He's like, so my release valve is Giannis. <laughs> they're going to be, nice. <laughs> they're going to be really dangerous to work with. The other one I'm curious, NBA awards, that's a tricky, that's a tricky thing to bet, but Evan Mobley has a legitimate shot at defensive player of the year. And if you think so, you can get him at plus 600. Like that's um, over on DraftKings. So that's, that's a really pretty good number. If you really believe he can do that. Yeah. I, I have no doubt uh, in his ability to be an elite defender. Um let me, let me just pull up uh, my direct comparisons between JJJ and Mobley from last year because I thought it was a much closer race than the voters ultimately uh, yeah. decided. Um, you know, Jackson, he, he was fairly, I thought, getting dinged for 
um, just his availability because he was fouling out so often. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Mobley has had a more successful first two seasons than Jackson's, any of Jackson's first three. Uh, and really a lot of his career trajectory uh, in 2022-23, this is Mobley I'm talking about, very, very, very similar pattern to what you saw from JJJ in 21-22. So if he continues on that and uh, and JJJ flattens out, then those two guys are 1-2 in the discussion, in my opinion. Um, you know, yeah. some of the other guys who were in the mix last year, Brooke Lopez, another year past, Giannis obviously is capable of being uh, an elite defender, but it's somewhat unclear what he wants his regular season role to be uh, in terms of team defense. And, you know, just in general with uh, Budenholzer moving on, maybe the Bucks team defense overall takes a step back. And I guess the if you're going to handicap the defensive player of the year market, the one thing that you need to keep in the back of your head is that the voters really, really do put a premium on team defense uh, yes. being elite, right? If you are on a team that does not have a top five defensive rating, then you are not a realistic candidate, even if you are the most talented defender individually in the NBA. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's what ultimately could hurt the Anthony Davis campaign, although I think the Lakers will be a good defensive team. Um, They're just big, which will just help, but it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm with you on Brooke Lopez, and then I'm... I'll ask, since we talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. and the other guy who's in this mix, obviously, I don't know, we didn't mention Bam Adebayo, um, obviously an elite defender, but like those are two teams where I don't I don't quite know what to make of Memphis this year. They're kind of a, you know, we call them a mystery box team in the preview. And I don't know what they're going to be. How do they respond to being without, um, you know, a, uh, um, uh, why am I suddenly going blank on his name? Um, their star player, and I can't come up with his name. Oh, so um, John Morant. John, John Morant. Why? Yeah. I'm like, I got Mobley in my head, and I couldn't get off Mobley. <laughs> I'm like, that's not right. Um, they got John Morant for the first 25 games. But I do like some of the – I do like bringing in Marcus Smart, not only because he fits defensively and can do some of the things Dylan Brooks did, but Dylan Brooks – I mean, having Marcus Smart there and having um, – Derek Rose there just as veterans in the locker room can maybe, maybe make this team more serious. I mean, I I, I see them more as a team that comes together the second half of the season, mm-hmm. but I don't, and, and could be a threat then, but they're just kind of hard to read because you're going to be in mid December before you see them with their best player. So it's, it's, this is the million dollar question of the entire Western fabric at a playoff playoff seating and all of it, in my opinion. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies on paper at full strength are absolutely in the conversation with the most talented and the deepest teams in the West. There's no question. Uh, they do have a little bit of a ding in that they don't have a superstar talent, the likes of LeBron or uh, or uh, Curry specifically or, Nikola Jokic or yeah. Curry. Like yeah. So you get to the end stages of a playoff series, and it's not obvious to me what Memphis is going to do in terms of generating offense. You know, when, when things boil down to you just have to have a guy that can take over a game and game five, six, and seven of a series, then I worry a bit about Memphis. Um, but as a regular season team, and then maybe even as a regular season juggernaut, at full strength, these guys look unbelievably good on paper. 
Desmond Bain, I would expect to take another step forward. He is a rising star. Yes. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Similarly, if he continues on his progression, he's going to be a monster this year. If he just flattens out, he's going to be amazing. Um, I do have, uh, you know, the questions, but the questions are, are, are that are swirling. You know, what do you get out of Marcus Smart in terms of leadership, in terms of offensive contributions? Yeah. What do you get out of Stephen Adams? Is he ever going to be healthy again? Uh, and then some of the depth pieces like Luke Kennard, how many games are you asking him to start? Um, you know, who are your big, your backup bigs? <laughs> like yes. you have this mix of guys who are all have shown flashes. Aldama, yeah, you've got like guys I like, but yeah, I, they've all I, shown flashes. I don't know. Any of those guys going to step up? But if they do, then all of a sudden you're this monstrous deep team. You're going to win a ton of regular season games. And then if John Morant uh, is available for you in the playoffs, maybe he's your guy, he's your superstar that takes over games end to game. But um, it was pretty. Uh, I was I was heavy Memphis last year during the against the Lakers in that series. And after game one, I pretty much ripped ripped up my ticket. I, I knew it was over. Uh, you know, it was, it, yeah. not just because the Lakers won, but how they won, and the fact that. You know, they basically just said, okay, Ja, you want to try your ac- acrobatic around the rim with Anthony Davis in the way? Then best of luck to you. And it was, you know, it just he didn't have a, a plan B that worked. And so they need to grow and he needs to particularly develop some of his, uh, you know, his, his diversity in his game offensively, especially uh, for them to succeed. But um, right now I would make the Grizzlies the, uh, the, num- the clear number three after the uh, Nuggets and the uh, Suns in the Western Conference in terms of regular season win expectancy. Um, and so with that comes, uh, you know, the expectation that they're going to win their division. And I think that's a fair, that's a fair ask, even, even missing uh, Morant until December. Um, yeah, it's a big number. Actually, are there some under overs you like? And I'll, I'll give you the one that I'm the jumped off the page when I saw it. Sure. Uh, Toronto, over 36 and a half. I just don't think they're that bad. Like they're not, they're weird. I don't know what's going on with OG Ananobi, all this. And that said, they're like a 500 or better team. Like they're going to win games because they've got talent. Even if I've got questions about where they're going long-term or the playoffs, I, I just think that number is too low. Yeah. I think, uh, let me pull up my number right now. My fair, uh, for Toronto is not close <laughs> to the market. Uh, yeah. So I'm with you, and that that one does stand out pretty clearly as a uh, uh, as a, uh, a a win total over. Um, what I guess kind of taking a big, uh, not big, but a small step backwards. Um, when playing win totals, um, I guess it's pretty it's pretty clear as you look at the numbers. There is a bunching of market expectation around 500 okay because it's just it doesn't matter how you go come about getting to your power number the variance is such that you know you're you're going to win games you should lose you're going to lose games you should win blah 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 like teams tend to bunch around 500 or at least models and, and predictive models tend to point towards point teams towards the middle class inevitably some teams will overperform. They will get lucky. They will, uh, you know, they will have some hot stretches where, you know, they they, you know, clearly outpace what 
expected win total will be. And they're going to overperform to the tune of five, six, seven wins. And then the flip side, a team which is clearly out of it. And this was maybe more apparent in years past where there was active tanking, uh, you know, a yes. team that's out of the mix for a playoff spot like the Jazz last year. Like, realistically, what should the Jazz have been? The Jazz finished with more losses than they should have because they basically took the entire last month of the season off and you know, deactivated all their guys. Like that sort of mentality that goes on at an organization level is going to make teams fall lower if they are going lower. Right. So there, there is a tendency to misprice these totals by a larger margin than you're getting credit for if you sell off the key number. And so uh, for instance, if you drop down the Toronto Raptors options, their principal total is 36 and a half. It's minus 120 to the over, under, plus 100 to the over. That means you're laying 120 bucks to win 100 if you want under. You're getting 100 for 100 if you want the over. You can, my fare for them is 41 wins this year. So you can bet over 40 and a half at plus 230, which kind of capitalizes on some of the potential upside, right? Yeah. You know, if, if you look at the Raptors as a team where young guys take a step forward, Schroeder is a perfect fit at point guard. Pertle, what the signal you got from Pertle with these guys at the end of the season last year was real. Like if you count all of that, then yeah, 41 all of a sudden doesn't feel like a sweat at all. Uh, And then the other side, if they have some injury bad luck, if you know they they don't have the depth that we were expecting, uh, and if the coaching is not as good in the absence of uh, Nick Nurse, maybe then the under is pretty clear. But either way. Uh, you know, you're taking a, a pretty high upside bet, in my opinion, if you're trying to get them into the 40 win range. And so the the you know, the, the, the over 39 and a half stands out to me at plus 185 and over 40 and a half stands out to me at plus 230 as ways to kind of if you're going to put your money to work for you over the balance of the season, go for go for the more ridiculous uh, upside. And yeah, honestly, in this exact vein, if you're going to swing for the fences, do it in the east. The west is so, so, so yes. good. And the East, somebody is going to step up into that five, six, seven, eight range. And if you're picking teams like that, I would circle the Magic. I would circle the Raptors. I've even flirted with the uh, the Charlotte Hornets as a potential team that could kind of make their way into that forty win range. Uh, and uh, you know, I think if you're kind of on the bubble for the plan, you know, teams pushing for those wins late in the season uh, to kind of jockey for the the seeding in the plan is going to be a real thing. Uh, you got a lot of teams that have young players that are expected to win. Now there, no, there's no Wimby to tank for this year. Yeah. There's guys whose jobs are on the line if they don't start winning. So, you know, I think, you know, the, the magic, the Hornets, the Raptors, those are the three I would swing for the fences on to the good. Um, Hornets over 35 and a half is plus 250. Uh, the magic, the secret is out on the magic, by the way. People, yeah, the magic are one of those teams where I think people are realizing yeah. they're actually going to be legitimately good this year. Yeah, so you know, there's there's a little bit of a premium already built into the magic. Just know that before you go look at the books right now. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I think I think those are the teams that I, I, I see that have you know realistic potential to surprise to the good in a, in a relatively yeah. soft Eastern conference. And I guess you agree with the framing there that the East is, uh, yes, definitely. The, the, than the West. Yeah. yeah I, I think two things there. I, I, first off, I completely agree with the framing because the challenge with the West and I, you know, uh, later this week I will have my, um, my tears out, you know, like just ranking them by I, I'm using, you know, championship tiers, like, you know, contention, but you know, it's playoffs or bust, whatever. 
I'm, let's count this out. One, two, I'm at 12 teams that expect to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Like in it, the West, right? In the West, right. Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> the Thunder are really good. The Pelicans, if they're healthy, are really good. There's the Clippers. The Timberwolves should take a step forward. The Kings are still good. Dallas, bad vibes coming out of Dallas, but they've still got Luka Doncic and Kyrie yeah. Irving. We talked about Memphis, Lakers, the yeah. Warriors. Like, it's just, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to be hard for a team like the Jazz to take a step forward, where I'm with you, although I have my concerns about the Hornets on two fronts. I know you picked them, and, and look, I get why, because their number was deflated last year. They're much better with Lonzo Ball on the, um, Lonzo, uh, LaMelo Ball on the floor. Um, Miles Bridges isn't going to be with them now. Like yeah. after, after this latest arrest, uh, there's just – he shouldn't be, and he won't be around the team. Um, and and there's a whole other discussion about the league needing to be a little harsher on domestic violence, but that's that's for another day. Um, the other concern I've got there, though, is just organizationally. You know, new owner, so you've got a coach and a GM kind of in a lame duck status. I just wonder if that starts to weigh on them a little bit. If that uh, if that kind of organizational uncertainty cost them at some point um entirely possible yeah i mean i in and in that vein yeah like like i was saying there are some there's clear some organizations where winning is going to be a compulsory to keeping your job and yeah that organization maybe it doesn't even really help you (laughs) it's because there's going to be some turnover regardless um, but I just, I look at the roster and I look at the team and outside of, uh, you know, outside of bridges, I mean, this is basically the team that won 43 games two years ago. No, yeah, exactly. And now we're expecting them to win. We're, we're asking them to win 31. Like that does. Yeah. It feels, no. it feels like a pretty significant. If I, I'm with you that, that PJ Washington's ready for a step forward and, yeah. and just, I, um, I, we can just, we didn't get into this. We could discuss rookie of the year. I would not have taken Brandon Miller second, but sure. Brandon Miller's not bad and he fits what they need in some ways. Like he's, he's still, he's going to forever be, you know, it's, it's going to be Trey Young and Luka Doncic, right? Like they'll all sure. forever be linked to Scoot in the draft, but Brandon Miller could be a really quality wing player that they can use too. Like, I think he can bring them value this year. So I, I'm with you. I think they're going to be, better than their odds. What do you do with the West? What do you do with a team like the Lakers or the Warriors where, I mean, on paper, they're really pretty good, but I just, I worry about them staying healthy enough. Is Anthony Davis going to play enough games at a high enough level is in the Warriors? It's again, it's so dependent on Steph Curry being Steph Curry and not taking a stage step back in what will be, I think he's 30 age 35, 36 season. So I agree with your commentary on there being 12 teams in the West who expect playoffs. And if you didn't already know the math, only four, you know, only 10 teams, including the play in teams get in. And then of those, of course, only eight. Um, And so, yeah, there are going to be four teams who are very disappointed with their, their outcome this year. Um, they're going to have a tough time kind of communicating to the fan base what went wrong, considering the talent on these teams. 
I'm looking squarely at the likes of the Timberwolves, the Pelicans are falling yeah. to that mix. The Kings fall into that mix for me. <clears throat> I, I think there's, I see, and I, I, everybody's a little hesitant to say it because it was such a good story last it was year. So good. And yeah. I, and I want to see them do well, but I don't see where they, t- I mean, I let's look, I saw them in person during preseason. Yeah. And my reaction was, it's the same Kings. It's yeah. a, they will be very good on offense. They will, they, even in the preseason, you're like, oh my God, their defense is just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you stay flat, I'm not sure that that's good. And they also had incredible injury luck last year. They really incredible, were incredible luck. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I'm worried about them taking a step back and, 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 yeah, I got a so, lot of. I got to say, by the way, I got a lot of crap from Kings fans back when the trade happened. That what with that brought them some bonus. I'm like, is a good short term move. It will end your playoff drought. But I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton long term and build that way. Um, I, I fear this is the year that for for those fans that that kind of thing comes to fruition because we didn't talk about it. But I like the Pacers in the East too. I don't know. Ooh, I think nice it's hot take. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, you, you can pretty clearly tier the West, in my opinion, where you have the teams that, you know, not expecting much is pretty clearly Blazers are the lowest power rated team. And then I would put uh, Spurs and Rockets on the next tier. So those three teams not realistically competing for a plan. Um, and then you have the teams that are going to disappoint. Putting the Mavericks in that conversation is fine with me. Putting the Timberwolves in that conversation yeah. is fine with me. Putting the Kings in that conversation and the Jazz in that conversation, those are probably your four teams that are going to miss out. Um, Pelicans, I would have on the you know on the cusp of that just because of the potential for uh, injury, uh, you know, and, and just health. Uh, Clippers, I would put on the cusp of that. Just same same kind of conversation. Player availability scares me. Um, and then. Yeah. Everybody else, I think, is pretty clearly in the tier of outside of a major injury. This team is going to be in the top six. The Lakers and the Warriors are probably the two highest profile uh, of those two teams. And I think their win totals are probably set pretty fairly. Like they're both sitting at 47 and a half right now. Um, And I I want to be a little bit, um, I want to buy a bit on the Lakers at 47 and a half. And I want to sell a bit on the Warriors. But this is, this is shades of gray here. I mean, I think the Lakers yeah. kind of coming in right around 48, 49 is what I expect to medium yeah. projection for them. Warriors, I have them coming around 45, 46. And if Draymond Green was healthy to start the season and we knew we were going to get full production out of him, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently about the Warriors. But um, they're going to probably take 10, 12 games to sort of figure things out here at an extended preseason. And that could be enough to keep them under their total. But, um, you know, they, the Warriors, the Lakers, um, and, uh, you know, the – uh, and honestly, the Thunder, uh, all kind of in that middle class. Uh, yeah. They are clearly in the mix for uh, a top six playoff seed. Um, and then I have the top of the West clearly defined as Nuggets, Suns, Gap, Grizzlies, and then Gap and everybody else. Um, let's talk about the Suns for a second. You've got them as contenders. You think that I, – I, let's put it this way, and, and I've struggled with this when I'm putting together those tiers. i I right now have them as contenders, but they're a contender. I've got look. I first off regular season with Durant and Beal and Booker and the guys they've got. They've got a. They're going to win a lot of games. I just ask my questions. Ultimately, are depth and defense. Yeah, and I don't think that that's going to matter. It, it, 
it might not matter until you're, you know, in the second round of the playoffs with them because they've just got so much other talent. But I guess you've got to put them in that contender status. Yeah, and it, it's all oh, it's it's uh, it's it's weird to have any kind of degree of confidence with this because we just haven't seen these guys play yeah. together that much in the regular season. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't seen them play together at all in the regular season. But we really just haven't even seen them play that much. You know, we haven't even seen you know how Booker and Durant are going to comport each other, you know, how they'll yeah. complement each other over the balance of the full season. So uh, this is, a, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding the Suns, but I think if you are coming into this season with anything less than high confidence that this is going to be an elite offense, then you need to redo your numbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because this is going to be this. I, I mean, I, if the Suns finish outside the top three in the NBA in terms of offensive efficiency this year, I'll be blown away. Um, they fit together very well. Uh, they, uh, in my opinion, at least are going to be able to, you know, kind of, um, complement each other on the floor in crunch time. Yeah. This is Beal Booker and Duran in particular. Um, and I don't have a strong opinion about what Frank Vogel is going to get out of these guys defensively when it comes yeah. to playoff time. Um, yeah. but this is, this is a team that literally is just hold on for dear life. Uh, and hope that they don't score 30 on a given night if you are finding yourself matched up against them at full strength in the regular season. Um, yeah. And then in the playoffs, uh, you know, they they don't, they, you know, it's it was it was funny too because, like, they pretty clearly had no answer for Jokic in the playoffs last year. Yes. None. And getting Yusuf Nurkic was kind of a steal for that particular question, because, you know, maybe you only get 10, 15 minutes early in the game where you're making his life a little bit more difficult, but that might be enough. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, I think this, I don't know, I'm not saying the Suns ought to be uh, priced, you know, kind of competitively with the, um, uh, you know, with the Nuggets for the one seed, because obviously the Nuggets have much, much more regular season home field advantage than, uh, than the Phoenix does. Um, and so I think that the pricing of Nuggets at the top of the West plus two sixty, Phoenix second choice plus three fifty, that's almost right on my numbers. I think that's that's just about perfect. Uh, the only price that looks way off in the West for me is is Grizzlies at thirteen to one because I think they have enough talent to be above the likes of the Lakers, Warriors, and Clippers. But um, it's a it's a little bit of a it's a it's a little bit of a tough thing to visualize the Memphis Grizzlies figuring things out in the playoffs the way that they looked last year against the Lakers. And, um, you know, it's you go back in time to the Curry, you know, uh, Warriors when they finally broke through. Um, and that came after, a, you know, kind of a humiliating round one defeat the year prior. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of parallel between this Grizzlies team and those, those Warriors um, that I may hang my hat on and, and end up just riding Grizzlies again this year. But uh this is probably my last ride with them if they don't uh, don't get anything going. But um, yeah, I think I think Nuggets and Suns are pretty clearly your one two. And yeah, Suns. It's almost entirely because I believe in them having an elite offense, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, they do have that. And like I said, the questions I've got for them. I, it, I'm with you by the way on Nurkic. If you can get him to the postseason healthy, I don't know that we're ever going to see. You know, 2017. Yeah. Nurkic again, the guy pre-compound leg fracture. He's just never sure. moved the same way, but he doesn't really have to. Like you said, it's it's if he can bother Jokic a little, that's that's part of it. If they can get fifteen or twenty a night out of them, out of him, and then go to a secondary unit again during the regular season, they're just going to be so tough to stop. That's not going to matter, and then it's going to come down to 
he can help them in certain matchups. And if he's moving better and can play, we know what Vogel wants to do. He wants to play a drop yeah. you know, coverage. Uh, maybe Nurkic can be that. He's certainly still a, a very big body. So um, He's a big boy. Yeah, that's right. Um, on a philosophical level, do you like betting post uh, like NBA awards or is that it's, it's just too random? No way. You NBA uh, awards are a staple of regular season portfolio building. In my opinion, um, it's not random at all. Like, I, I guess here's the right, the, the, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, peppering the board preseason and then just crossing my fingers and holding, hoping that something breaks my way. Um, but uh, the awards markets actually are a pretty good way to get some liquidity down on some higher upside swings, um, kind of in the same vein as the all-win totals I was talking about. Yeah. Right? Like, if you believe in a team having an especially, you know, a high variance to the good. Oh, here's a great example. There was one very, very, very clear awards market preseason bet you could make last year that – uh, one of the best bets I've made in my life. And it was Mike Brown coach of the year for the Kings because the signs were all there that the Kings were finally going to break through and probably make the playoffs. Right. Like at least the yeah. play in, like they were chips on the table. Yes. We are not tanking for it. And you know, this is, this is it. Like this is the year this all comes to fruition and we're going to make the playoffs snap the, whatever it was, 21, 25, I forget how many years the streak was that they hadn't had a playoff appearance, but they were, they were 16. Determined. Yeah, it felt like, it felt like 50, but it wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that the Mike Brown coach of the year was 50 to one. And it just didn't square with the idea that this is a team that's going to be pushing at all costs for a playoff spot. Uh, and it just so happened to, you know, that they ended up way exceeding expectations, getting a three seed. And he was uh, a runaway winner uh, for that award market. And, um, you know, I definitely was kind of keeping an eye after I had my stake down preseason at 50 to one. I, I was keeping an eye on that market throughout uh, February, January, April, because a lot of times it's not how you start. It's how you finish people that you know, are, are, you know, subject to recency bias. And if you have an especially strong month of February and March, you can, you know, leapfrog other players who are better than you in, you know, October, yeah. November, December, um, are their coaches. And so I, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty clear, you know, I had to do some balancing and, you know, find other angles to, uh, make small bets to cover my potential, uh, my uh my ev there but um yeah i think you you kind of sit down you draw it out on paper these teams you know and i guess let's go with uh let me see if i can come up with a good example i guess um we talked about the cavaliers and uh you know potentially winning uh the central right right plus 240 or whatever that price is well if the Cavs do win the central, if Mobley takes a step forward, you know, like you got to start to kind of game theory out. Like yeah. if, if this happens and you know, the market is telling you that that has about a, you know, whatever, a 40% chance to happen or a 30, 35% chance to happen. Right. Well, if you, that, if you fall into that part of the distribution, what else is possible now? What does that unlock? And does it unlock, uh, you know, the, the likelihood that the team success bleeds into people believing Edmund Mobley deserves defensive player of the year. Absolutely. <laughs> Does yeah. it bleed into most improved player, a player like Darius Garland? Absolutely. 
right? Does it bleed into yeah. Bickerstaff Coach of the Year? Maybe. Uh, and you know, the price for him right now is sixteen to one, so it's not quite as exciting as you know some some of the other prices. Um, but uh, certainly, if the Cavs steal a top two seed and beat the Bucks, they're going to be in the conversation. He'll be in the conversation, and, and uh, you know, I think he tends to get a little bit of credit. You know, he, he tends to get the credit when things go well. Um, and, uh, and that might be, you know, just enough. Um, the other one I want to kind of bring up because we already talked about the potential positives to the good Darko, uh, Ryo, Ryakovic, is that how you pronounce I it? I believe that is correct. Okay. Yes. He is one of the biggest long shots on the board right now. Nobody knows who he is. <laughs> no, exactly. Nobody, nobody knows if he'll be a good coach. Uh, nobody knows if the Raptors are going to be good this year. But we already talked about they have like something in the ballpark of a 40% chance to win 40 games. And if they are clearly in the playoff picture, they are, you know, if they're not playing in, if they're a top six seed, which I think, you know, yeah. getting into the 40 wins, you know, puts them close enough that they may be, are people going to be talking about Darko Ryakovich as coach of the year? Because that's going to be a surprise, right? People will be surprised if the Toronto Raptors are. You know, a, you know, kind of flirting with the top, you know, home 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 court advantage in round one of the playoffs. So forty five to one for him for coach of the year is like looks pretty obviously wrong <laughs> to me. I think that should be in like yeah. twenty to one range, just because again, like if they're better than people think, the stories that will be written, the conversations that will be had, will be trying to figure out how and why, and ultimately he'll get a ton of that credit. I think and. I don't know. Do you have, is there a reason to believe that Darko Ryakovich is a good coach? <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, there is. I mean, he's the people speak well of him okay. um, and knowing his stuff, but he's also seen as a, and I, I thought this tipped their hand and then they didn't do it that way. He was always seen as a developmental guy. Ah. The guy and if he's a developmental guy, then you're going to, Oh no, we're going to hold on to OG and Siakam. So yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not totally sure what the long-term plan is there. But I'm with you on the idea that he could be, he could sneak up on you. Um, he could he could surprise people. Yeah. So I guess there's the question: Is would you rather have an even money bet that the Raptors win 36 games, and you know if it clears that easily, or would you yeah. rather pat yourself on the back and count your money in February, or would you rather have? a much higher upside ticket in your pocket <laughs> for coach of the year, yeah. right? 45 to one, you put that same hundred dollars to work. You're talking about, you know, winning 4,500 bucks here. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's my general kind of way of attacking the awards market is I'll look for the stuff that, you know, if this happens and the market says it's this likely, then what is, what, what, you know, what, what trickles out of that, that, uh, that could inform some of these awards bets. And then if there's some big prices to bet now, grab them now and if there's uh if it makes sense to try to corner certain markets during the year when you have a false favorite like oh i don't know russell westbrook sixth man of the year last year kurt yes <laughs> you remember that you remember it that month so close what? so <laughs> no. oh my gosh there was a month where he was like the odds on favorite for sixth man of the year and it was like wait a second, he got demoted to the bench and we're going to give him an award for it? No way the voters are going to vote for Westbrook. No. And then in the end, it wasn't even irrelevant. But, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, that that type of stuff, it, year in, year out, it materializes where you have moments during the regular season where there is a clear false favorite. Uh, and then you can really kind of fill out your portfolio with how you think things are going to yeah. go. 
Yeah, I'm curious. I, I will tell you my the guy I just was looking up the odds on because I'm the, my early pick for most improved, which I oh yeah, Cade Cunningham, which Ooh, interesting because I think he he a looked really good in uh, at um, USA Select Camp, but I also think there's a certain level of he was injured last year. We kind of and he didn't really have a great first was it 17 games or whatever it was before right. he got hurt. He didn't like make, but he if he did get right and did use that year off and does come back and make a leap and makes the Pistons not horrific. Uh, they're not going to be good, but like if he's, if you start to see a path forward with him, then maybe he can do that and sneak past. I don't know. Jordan yeah, Poole's so, going to put up a ton of numbers, but is that most improved or is that really just going to be people going, yeah, he got an opportunity because he wasn't having to wait for Steph Curry to sit down. That's right. That's right. Um, I think there is a clear rubric for who wins most improved player and it's first time all-star. So before you bet anyone, you just have to go through the mental calculus of is Kate Cunningham going to make the all-star team? Mm. Um, because if he does, then he's probably already won it, okay. right? Yeah. He's got enough. Yeah. There's enough of an anchoring that this guy is good. Uh, and if he makes the all-star team, people will be like, well, there he goes. He's All right, so, clearly so, the most improved. So we, we, everyone, we now know that Drew is picking Austin Reeves. <laughs> uh, he's kind of a shorter shot than i would have guessed he's already down to 14 to 1 yeah. so clearly somebody's been here uh and stomping on this uh well it's it's, it's it's that you got to factor in those laker prices on everything like anything uh, laker related you do yes. you do pay a premium on those uh, are there any other preseason bets that you were kind of high on where you just were like hey this is something i kind of or an area of that i think there's value out there Mm, interesting. We've talked. I think we've talked about uh, my my major macro thoughts. Yeah. Um, I guess the the uh, the story that I'm the most interested in and how it plays into the you know the the outright betting market is how the Boston Celtics deal with their big rotation. Yes. Uh, and you know wh- how they keep. Porzingis healthy, how they weave him into the fold. Um, the ad- advanced data would tell you that Porzingis was very, very good last year. Um, and I think that's probably why the Celtics made the move they did. Uh, I think they probably needed to kind of, you know, clear a path, I guess, also for Tatum to be the locker room leader by moving on from Smart. Um, but I think, I'll be honest yeah. with you, I think they also thought they were selling high on Smart. They probably were. That, that, yeah. that he's not yeah. as young as you think, and that the it may not be this season, but the decline is coming. Let's get out now. That it's not crazy, yeah. And they had redundancy at the guard position, and I, the first deal that that was floated was going to get rid of you know get yeah, rid them of Brogdon, who they really wanted to move off of for whatever yes. reason, which spooks me from a medical question mark standpoint. But um, but yeah, Porzingis had his best season as a pro last year, and it was by a lot. Uh, and he is now kind of in rare air in terms of the advanced stats. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, if, if that works out, if he stays healthy, if he's, you know, if they, if they figure out the rotation of bigs and can kind of keep uh, Horford healthy for a playoff push, um, then the Celtics are pretty clearly, in my opinion, the, the bet on in the East. Um, and so I think, you know, kind of thinking through them getting the one seed, what does that mean? 
if the Celtics are the, you know, the, the home team in a series against the Bucks, what does that mean? Right. If the Celtics are, yeah. um, you know, the, the, right now they're plus plus one thirty to get the one seed. I think that's probably fair, but if they are the one seed, then all of a sudden the, you know, the, the futures prices is, is short on them at plus plus one eighty. Um, so it's, it's kind of, that's kind of the, the key thing that I need to see from, from the Celtics. And I, I guess the other thing that it's worth noting uh, Joe Missoula second yeah. time through the playoff run, right? Yeah, and and uh, they put and and got better assistance around him. Better assistance around like him. just yep. just he just they didn't get thrown together at the last minute, and you know, yep. now that Jeff yep. Van Gundy's there, everything's solved. So <laughs> <laughs> I think people are probably saying that this weekend behind closed doors, but uh, yeah, uh, no, Joe Missoula, Joe Missoula in year two. Uh, I think you can expect a lot better from him in a, you know, just sort of a playoff decision-making standpoint. Meanwhile, uh, who knows about what you're going to get with Adrian Griffin? I mean, uh, yeah. presumably uh, that's, that, that's a good long-term hire, but is it, you know, like it doesn't exactly square with the team that's trying to win now, uh, in my opinion. So no, um, it was, that was yeah. a, that was a keep Giannis happy move, but I will say again, after talking, uh, you know, seeing them, but like listening to him in his press conference, got asked about that. I, I did like his answer, which was essentially, I told them when they were in during the interview, like, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Like, what well, we've got works. You're going to see a lot of the same actions. You're going to see some of the same coverage ideas. This team won 58 games last year. We're not, you know, we're not shaking everything up, which is a good sign, but we'll see how the players respond to him over the course of 82 and how he handled it. Yeah, that, that all makes sense to me. So, yeah, I think, uh, uh, just the fact that you have a little bit of coach, you know, the coaching continuity could help push the Celtics across the line. Yeah. I, I basically, basically I'm, I'm going to buy low at some point on the Celtics or attempt to buy low at some point on the Celtics to win the East. Uh, and to win the Wait for that, waiting for that five game losing streak. And then, just, okay. just, a, just a little bit of like them coming out a little, a little lackadaisical would be fine. Um, You're okay you, with you, that. You remember last year, they were just electric to start the season. They looked yes. unbeatable. Like that made their prices basically unbettable for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think you know, a decent chance you get a little bit of the opposite side of the coin this year where they don't have much to prove. Like they, they let the season come to them. They know the Eastern Conference goes through Boston, I think. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe yeah. around Christmas is the buy point on the Celtics. But the, that, the Celtics are exciting to me in terms of what they can get to. And then um, I, the other side of the coin there is like, I'm not seeing anywhere close to these prices being fair for the Heat. Uh, I think the oh. Heat could slide out of the one seed in the Southeast. Uh, I'm not like calling for them to not make the playoffs, although I will be completely honest with you. I flirted with that price <laughs> because yeah. it's a big number. Uh, it's, it's, like it's hard to, to bet against that them that happening just because the organization finds a way. Exactly. Every time, like, it's just, you, yeah. You said it exactly. I, I literally did, when I when I ran my numbers and I saw how close I have the Heat to the play-in, or like I have them in the play-in, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that's kind of their most likely outcome as they land in seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I think, I, I think that that's very reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I did the math and I was like, oh man, um, like at the current price for them to miss the playoffs, you are sweating big time those playing games (laughs) like there's it's you're almost you're almost giving a little more than half of it back trying to defend in those playing games because the idea of like a jimmy butler heat team losing to oh 
yeah, the the Pacers <laughs> in yeah, a one yeah. in a one game winner take all doesn't feel great. <laughs> so, uh, but I do think that the under uh, is a good bet on Miami, and I do. Uh, I, and you know, it's tough for me to square this because I'm not like like especially fond of Quinn Snyder or Trey Young or no, Perry but two, that that's two guards, that... but. Yeah, the Hawks at two to one to win the Southeast looks that looks short. Yeah, and I, whatever you think of Quinn Snyder, his teams perform and perform in the regular season, and um, yeah, that's actually I. There are people around the league who are I, I'm still hesitant, but there are people around the league who I trust who are much higher on them this year than I am. So, yeah, they're tricky, uh, tricky. Yeah, they're tricky. I, I put, I, I put, I'm not kidding. I put all my eggs in the Pacers are better than you think basket. That's well, a fun one. Um, um, they're going to be so, really fun, and I think they're they're just. I think they're one of those teams ready to make a leap. And Halliburton looked ready, but also I think he plays well off Miles Turner, and then they they find Bruce Brown gives them a wing defender that they desperately needed. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Their uh, current win total is thirty eight and a half. If you think they surprised to the good to the tune of forty one and a half, then yeah, that's what was that's, funny. I was just looking yeah. at that when you said that, and I pulled that up. I'm like, man, see, that's now you're suddenly looking at decent numbers. So. Yeah, plus one sixty seven, and uh, I mean, there's a little bit of, um, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I would say Carlisle was well, like yes. enough that uh, you know twenty five to one for coach of the year if that team surprises and is yeah. And yeah, I guess what is what what does Indiana have to do? What does the upside have to look like for Carlisle to beat out? That's the a good question. Of, you know, uh, a, a, a more feel good story, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question because Carlisle's liked, and, and he's I think honestly one of the best just pure X's and O's tacticians in the league. But we'll see. So. Yeah, see, some of these guys at the top of the coach of the year market, I'm just like shaking my head. How in the world? Uh, how does Adrian Griffin win? How does Mizzou win? How does I, I get, Spolster I get, win? yeah, the, exactly. The, the uh, Dagnall, for people who don't know, Dagnall from the, the, the Thunder is first. And I think that's probably. That's fine. Yeah, I, that no, makes no, sense. No objection. <laughs> but no you're objection. right. But I think that somebody like Bickerstaff or Snyder or even Taylor Jenkins, because of everything they've got to overcome, sneaking sure. up is, is possible. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I, yeah, I mean, like. I, when you have a team that's expected to be excellent, like the Bucks and the Celtics, and expected yeah. to be very good, like the Heat, like you basically can put a line through those coaches and coach of the year because they they just they have to do an absurd over. Yeah, it's it's, it's got to be a seventy three. <laughs> yeah. got it's got to be seventy three win Warriors for you to you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's that, like... that that I don't. You know, I'll go. On, I'll be fine going on the record that that's not happening this year. <laughs> you feel safe with that one? Fine, it's fine saying that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some yeah. good teams out there. There are not the twenty. Was that 2017, 2015? Uh, whatever year that was, Warriors. Yeah, the team with the most regular season wins this year. I would set the over under at uh, sixty three and a half. I well, think I, a and I'd go under 64. that. I'd go under that. <laughs> I'd go under that because I'm not sold the Bucks and. Celtics are going to push hard enough out East and the West is just like, even Denver's just going to lose too many games. The West is just too deep. Like you can't have an off night in you know, Minnesota teams are just too good. So good point. Yeah. Um, Actually. Yeah. Bucks were the number one overall seed last year with only 58. Yeah. 58. Uh, so if you, if, the, if you put yeah. the number at 60, I'd still probably lean under, but if it's anything higher than that, I'd, 
yeah, I just don't yeah. see a team doing that this year. Two years ago, the Suns got 64 in the regular season. That feels like a fever dream. <laughs> that, uh, gosh, I forgot about that. That was the two yeah. years prior. We can't really compare. Yeah, that gets Bucks weird. got sixty when you go back to the eighteen nineteen season. Yeah, so yeah, I guess uh, sixty five for the Rockets in twenty seventeen. I guess it's more rare than I realized. So I'm way over uh, my highest. Uh, the highest regular season wins market should be around fifty nine and a half. I think you nailed it. Yeah, probably it. So yeah, Drew, man, thank you for doing this. Where can everybody find your stuff? Um, you're on Bet the Edge every, almost every morning, right? It, or a lot of mornings on uh, NBC talking about not only basketball but also uh, I, what's the, football. I think is going on football. <laughs> yes, NFL <laughs> season. Uh, you wouldn't know by the quality of play, but we are careful. We are watching every game <laughs> and, and it has been, uh, but it's been a successful year. We're, we're winning some, some uh, yeah. money every week so far. I think through six weeks, uh, our tips have won all six, which is feels like something feel like maybe we got lucky, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's been a, a good season so far this year. And yeah, bet the edge on NBC sports and, uh, either watching YouTube format or download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, uh, as soon as we get into regular season NBA, we're going to have a lot more NBA coverage too, because um, even though it's an NFL focused show, uh, both Jay and myself are, uh, we're, uh, we're NBA hardcore uh, betters at heart. So we're going to, we're going to find a way to talk NBA regularly. It's, yeah, it's definitely something worth watching for betters or people, frankly, who just want information. These uh, Jay and you and, and the, the whole group of you um, um, have been on fire. In fact, I, I almost took uh, I almost took Indiana under six and a half last week on uh, on a suggestion from one of you and uh, would have lost on a trick play and just been pissed. So <laughs> classic. So. Yeah, it yeah. would have been one of those bad beats I just would have been mad about for a week. So, All yeah. right, man. Thank you, Drew, for doing this, everybody. We will be back later this week with Mark Medina uh, to talk, again, just NBA preview stuff and talking a lot about the overcrowded West. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you soon.